0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, good afternoon on a Monday and welcome to Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, longtime sports writer. Matt Coulter, longtime sports broadcaster. Welcome into the program. I hope everybody had a great Father's Day. The weekend certainly was full of sports and sports stories. You would start with the U.S. Open, then there was also the unfortunate story concerning Bob Huggins, but uh, I think his resignation was probably uh, one incident too late uh, with what he said and now what he has done with his DUI. But um, stallions beat the showboats. Uh, so interesting Saban video, if you want to get into that. Uh, but we've got all types of topics, but first of all, the father of three, let's welcome in one Lars
2: Anders. How are you doing today, Matt? How was your father's day? I just
1: absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. My uh, eldest daughter, Jennifer, who lives in Tyler, she and her husband were uh, at Walt Disney World, and I mean literally going on all the rides. They are uh, 35-year-old children, and I love it. So I didn't get a chance to see her, just spoke with her, text with her. But I spent the afternoon with my uh, daughter, Madison, and my son, Matt, Jr., and we just had a blast sitting around, cooking out, grilling, and um, having a cold beverage and watching the U.S. Open. Is that, is that what you did, or did you get <laughs> the kids out and do something?
2: Well, we uh, went to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. And uh, they love that. Yes, yes. And uh, my eight-year-old Lincoln, I got him to go into cahoots with me. I uh, told Lincoln, who is just starting to play golf and we're playing a lot, that it sure would be nice if we had a range finder. And uh, he carried that message to his mom. And lo and behold, what do I get for Father's Day? A rangefinder. So oh, I played. I, I played. I gained the system. I'm, I'm now officially a horrible person. I'm using my kids to get gifts from my ex-wife. No, this is officially <laughs> you're officially a father now. I
1: mean that yeah. makes you a father. You just be <laughs> a little bit conniving. I think that's awesome.
2: Um, that it was very nice of her though, and I, I sent her a long text and thanking her and and uh, so that that was good but we had a we had a lot of fun and you know y- hey a range finder just out in the front yard that is hours of fun for the kids right <laughs> just uh, just trying to see how far certain trees are how far a house is uh, it's it's a really nice range finder and you know my ex and you know that she would only get the best so uh, yes. i got i got the best well, so it it was awesome. it was good it was good yeah i and then um you know, watching the U.S. Open in, in prime time uh, was was thrilling. I, I love the fact that, uh, that, again, that it started so late our time because it was a tournament held in Los Angeles. And how dumb am I? I said that the winning score would be in the minus 20s. Well, you know what happened? The sun came out. <laughs> and and, and, dry and they, up all the green and, and, and they could not stop the ball on the green to save their lives and uh, and also they, they made the whole locations pretty difficult. Um, but uh, really uh, a, a great effort by Wyndham Clark. You know he's one of those guys that most people, including yours truly, never heard of before. Uh, but he played at Oklahoma State. Uh, and uh, is close with uh, Ricky Fowler, who he played in the final group with on both uh, Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, you know, just his his the background is that he was a teenager when his mom died of breast cancer. And uh, his mom had a, a winner, or, or a nickname for his son, and that was winner. And she always just told him, play big, play big. And they, and they mentioned this on air a lot. Uh, I believe those were her last words to him. And he's very religious. And, uh, and then again, he's just making his seventh career uh, start. And then you have the guy who is the seventh career start in a major, I believe. Um, then you, he's going against Rory McIlroy, right? The, the sort of the, the face of PGA golf. And, uh, and, and didn't you, before we really get into what Wyndham Clark was able to do, Wasn't it strange that Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler have the exact same putter I mean, exact same putter. It, it's about as thick as a candlestick uh, <laughs> it's a, or a candlestick bowling pin. I mean, it, it's a, it's like as heavy as a, uh, a like a steak knife at Ruth Chris. Like it, it, the thing is huge, but he... The he what? <laughs> I mean, the, the, okay. the, 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 it's just the grip on that putter. It, it's, it's a half yard long. I mean, it is the biggest grip I've ever seen, and uh, and and so and you know how big those steak knives are. It's Ruth Chris. Come on, that's like the grip. <laughs> anyway, anyway, swinging a mess swing, sw- swing on that one, but though um, okay. uh, no, the fact that like he uh, he played around with Ricky like a couple months ago. And he was just like admiring his his uh, Ricky's putter. And without even telling Ricky, he texted uh Wyndham Clark did the 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 their guy at at Odyssey and he said, Make me Ricky's putter. And that's exactly what he did. He made he made a putter for uh he made a putter for uh Wyndham Clark that was exactly like Ricky Fowler's. And I mean, the specs are exactly the same, which is uh, again, I, I've never seen that before. Two guys uh, playing in the final group for two days um, using the exact same putter. I, I don't know. I just I, I thought that was uh, strange. And um, so, I, what did you think? Like Ricky Fowler, I thought this was going to be his time. I really did. I, I thought that he was going to go wire to wire. And finally get that major championship. You know, he had fallen out of the top 150 uh, uh, very recently. And he is uh, but in the last few weeks, a month or so, a month and a half, he's come on, his swing has come back. and and you know, he's so popular. And he really had the gallery, you know, going there for a while. But he just, uh, he, he just couldn't get it together uh, and couldn't, couldn't maintain the level of play that he displayed in, in rounds one, two, and three and somewhat fell apart yesterday. What, what were your thoughts on, on Fowler?
1: Oh, it's hard to watch. It reminded me, and you will remember this now that I bring it up, I think it was 1996 at the Masters. uh, It was a major that Greg Norman and Nick Faldo played, just the two of them. And Greg Norman just came unraveled right there in front of the world. And Faldo just kept putting on the gas. And I think he ended up winning in the playoff by like six strokes. It was just gut-wrenching. Now, not so sure I'd care as much. Excuse me. A little live golf jab there. But uh, you just kind of... Could you see it happening? I mean, did, 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 did you not say, okay, he's about to lose it? And in fact, he did. I hated it, but I told myself last night, Lars, in doing some reflection on the tournament, I wasn't going to get into Faldo, excuse me, into Ricky Fowler's failure as much as I was just going to start talking about Wyndham Clark and his mom and how he, you know, he won the tournament. He won it because oh, it stayed solid. And he kept his game, and uh, just I loved watching that. Certainly more than anybody did. Watch watching what happened to poor
2: Ricky Fowler.
1: See, yeah. will he recover from this? Here I am talking about. Yeah,
2: it. yeah, he will. He will. I, I he'll he'll get that major at some point. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but it's true that Wyndham Clark has more major victories than Ricky Fowler, uh, and also he's won more majors in the last eight years than than um Roy McIlroy uh those guys uh again they're they're two of the most popular American golfers and uh they're just not I'm sorry Rory's not American he's he's Irish but um two of the most popular guys on tour and they just have not been able to perform at the at the majors and and Wyndham Clark he was just steady you know he he's he uh he's like he's low-key you know, didn't didn't show much emotion, and even though he's friends with uh, with uh, Ricky Fowler, I mean, he, the two really hardly even chatted. I mean, they were just sort of doing their own thing, um, and uh, you know, uh, again, like Clark, Wyndham Clark, he went to Oklahoma State, and then he transferred to Oregon after his mom passed away in, in 2013, and um, and so. Yeah, I mean, look, Wyndham Clark won what six weeks ago and. Uh, ago. Yeah. A and so uh, and he's won against uh, Deep Fields and he's for real. Uh, does this mean he'll ever win another major? Mm, probably not, I would say, but you never know. I mean, I, I kind of put him in the group of like Lucas Glover. Uh, Scott Simpson, uh, maybe Graham McDowell, who went to UAB, Gary Woodland. I, I think he's going to be in that that area. That area, but hey, I mean, it's still he'll be an answer to a Jeopardy question one day. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I I I perhaps this will be his coming out party. But uh, he's a little deep into his his career age wise uh, to really think that he's going to emerge as one of the top players in the world year, week in and week out, but you never know, Matt.
1: I want to talk a little bit more about the, the tournament itself and then maybe some of the outlying stories that uh, we bring up on Monday Morning Quarterbacks here. Well, we're going to do that. Also, uh, I want to get Lars's thoughts on Bob Huggins. Our guest lineup is solid. It's a, it's a solid 70 at LACC. Uh, we will get to that uh, and more As we uh, have bottom of the hour, we'll talk Stallions with Steve Irvine, who is the best I can find as a beat writer on that uh, particular uh, franchise. Uh, As the Stallions won, beat the uh, Showboats by a score of 27-20. And also, didn't you tell me Andrew Bone was going to be on second hour? Always good to talk to him.
2: That's right. He'll join us at 115 to talk about... An Alabama commit who uh, made some big news at Elite 11. And also another quarterback in the state of Alabama who just picked up an offer from the Tide this weekend. Also, uh, Lane Kiffin
1: trolling other schools. (laughs) He's amazing. And I want to ask you about that, too. So we got a lot of stuff coming up as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports. It is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
3: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
4: If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timberson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon, just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high, 90. Sunday, showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: big news sports. Large Anderson, Matt Coulter, Seth Shirey is uh, at the controls once again. You know, the more he plays, the more I like Rory McIlroy. Um, when he talks, he, you know, he speaks the truth. And he admitted that while watching Fowler and Clark finish on 18, he admitted to pulling for... <laughs> He wanted Wyndham to three-putt. Now, he wasn't like actively cheering, cheering, come on, miss it, miss it, miss it. But, you know, he tells the truth. When asked about it, he said, yeah, I was kind of hoping the guy had three-putt. People don't
2: say that, do they? Well, of, of course oh. he wants him to three-putt. He wants to get in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, but admit it. <laughs> I mean, but just come right out there and say that's what I wanted. I thought that's a little
2: unusual, I thought. Maybe not. Yeah, um gosh, Rory just, he could not hit a putt yesterday. He he struck the ball so well from tee to green. He had so many opportunities uh, to uh, make a, a slew of birdies, but he just couldn't hit anything. And, uh, and it was just, uh, it was tough, tough to watch. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I I absolutely love watching uh, Rory McElroy. I think he's got the most beautiful swing on tour, um, and uh, and I I think he's just got to be just just so frustrated that he has not won a major in nine years. When he to me, he's got more game than anyone on tour. And I think by a pretty good margin, he just he just cannot put it all together. You know, he he uh, had 16 pars on Sunday. He he uh, eagle or sorry, he birdied the first hole, and then on but but 16 of those pars, eight of them were 22 inches or show shorter. So uh, think about it: eight eight of the pars are 22 inches or shorter. That means he missed a total of eight putts just by, uh, that, that could have been birdies by very, very short margin here. And uh, it just, uh, he and he came out and said that he didn't think he was hitting bad putts. He said he was just hitting them slightly the wrong speed. Some were short, some were going long. And that's what's gotta be frustrating to him. When you think you're seeing it really well and it's not your reads that are off, but just you're off. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, he he goes 65, 67, 69, 70, led the field in strokes gained off the tee, led the field in greens in regulation. um, And uh, he actually hit 59 of the 72 greens in regulation, which is the most by a player in history.
4: Looks like we lost Lars. We got you, Matt. Looks like we're having some technical difficulties here. Um, You know what? While we're trying to sort out Matt and
2: Lars, we're going to go ahead and send to a break here. I'm going to try to get them back on. Uh, But, you know, in the meantime, you're listening to Big Noon Sports here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.
3: From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: You can
2: host Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
4: Adams Heating and Cooling. Richard Adams. They've been in business since 1982. 205-339-6540. Let that tune up get you ready for hot weather in Tuscaloosa. 24 hours a day, seven days a week your comfort is our top priority air conditioning repair heating repair installation services a broad authorized dealer it is adams heating and cooling the experts you can trust in the heating and air conditioning business 205-339-6540 richard adams adams heating and cooling
1: I was talking just a minute ago. We had a little error there. Apologize for that. It, it happens. It's live radio. Uh, we operate without a net, and sometimes the net rips. So, anyway, did it seem to you that the players and caddies conversed more and looked into their yardage books and course notes more often than really any other PG, any, any other event I've seen in golf, or did NBC just focus on it?
2: Um, yeah, it seemed like they were definitely double checking yardage. They were uh, pacing it off. Um, there was they were having a lot of discussions, certainly at the green, um, and I think that goes to the speed of the greens, and also on these you know these par fours that are over. The, the the finishing part the finishing 3 part 4s are just impossible they're all over 500 yards and you need to be pretty precise of where you put your ball on the fairway after your tee shot to have a decent shot into the green and man you're going to be hitting like 3 or 4 iron uh, into the green and when you're hitting a club that low with the green so hard it's almost impossible to get that ball hold. to stop yeah and those are just really really rough playing conditions and i and i think that's what you know the tournament organizers what the usga was hoping for all along was the for the course to uh for the course conditions to toughen up and all they needed was uh some sunshine and it, and it certainly did that and uh but yeah it, it did seem like it uh Wyndham Clark's uh, routine on the green I think if I was his playing partner it'd drive me insane uh <laughs> we're talking because, about playing partner how about as a viewer <laughs> uh, I know it, it, it's it's like he lines it up looks like he's ready to putt and then backs away and then his and then his pun his caddy's right behind him and then they come up and they do the exact same thing it's just it just takes a long time, and I, I bet if you put a clock on him, and I'm not sure, I think they had like 45 seconds. I, I I bet he gets to the end of that clock like every single time he puts, and uh, I I don't know, Matt. Seriously, it would be aggravating to me. I just, I hate slow play. It was play. aggravating to me. It was, it was aggravating to watch, yeah. To I just, watch. You um, and I, uh, yeah, put, put him in uh, Cantillay together. Okay. <laughs> <Patrick>. <laughs> he's, he's, he's forever on my list. <laughs> yeah, and
1: he'll be on a lot of people's. list <laughs> a master's. But, uh, you know, I, I learned something, though, in his very slow, methodical way of reading and lining up and putting. I learned that the caddy can sit behind you, and he can help you line up, as he does not once but twice, in the case of Wyndham Clark. But the second time um, he lines him up and the caddy walks away, the player must readdress the ball. Uh, or it's a penalty. Did you know that? He has I did to not. back away. You have to back away. If if your caddy is helping you line up your putt, you can help. You can sit there, and he can tell you move your putter, do this, do this, do that. But once he walks away, the player must walk away as well and readdress the ball. Did you know I, that? I just learned something new there. Well, uh, and credit to uh, to NBC, and, and I think they did a pretty nice job. I think CBS oh, yeah. has really got the the threshold. Um, yeah, when yeah. it comes to golf coverage, but I thought they did a nice job. But and and particularly in that, because I didn't notice it.
2: Uh, I did yeah. not know
1: that to be a rule, but he's got to back off once the once the caddy backs off, too.
2: Um, yeah, and it seemed like uh, Clark's caddy, like, he was almost, like, laying down on the green <laughs> trying to get a read. Yep. It was just, uh, it was weird. Um, but I, 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 I don't know if you heard me make this point earlier, but Rory, uh, going back to Rory McIlroy, and just how great he was from tee to green. He hit 59 of 72 greens in regulation, and that was the most by a player in history who didn't go on to win the U.S. Open. And if he just could have made those pars, or those birdies, um, you know, the I think, uh, what did I say? It was uh, like 14 of his birdies, uh they were long attempts they were over 18 feet long and he couldn't hit one of those and uh and and he missed on 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 his pars eight of them came within 22 inches or less of the hole so 16 pars 22 inches or less to the hole you can tell like he was just so close to going really low but uh but hey i mean what do you what's the saying you uh you tee off for dough or hit hit for dough, putt for no no it's the other way around. Hit for show, show putt, putt for dough. dough. Yeah, and that's that's that that was never more true than yesterday with Rory McIlroy. They had some
1: funky uh, placements of greens, and and sometimes it looks like they were sideways. You know, wait 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 a minute. Shouldn't be you hit and, and then one I can't remember the two holes. Uh, I think it was a par three going to par four, but the tee for the next hole was so close to the green that the players would have to be aware of who's hitting the driver and who's putting. You know, yeah. did you notice that? Yeah. Uh, it really seems like that course is kind of. Of course, there's a north and a south, so th- there's a lot of property there. But it seemed at times that you were in an elevator. Yeah, I don't know. If uh, you know oh, absolutely.
2: Uh, I wonder how long it took to prepare that course for the uh, U.S. Open. Uh, just know, uh, it... some of their—I
1: uh, heard, I guess, over the weekend, maybe it was NBC or maybe it was his talk show. I don't know. But somebody said the greenskeeper two weeks ago cut the rough back. You know, all that fescue that they had. It was so yeah. pesky that uh, he cut it back the final time fully expecting the weather to be about the same but it didn't and it didn't get much rain why they why they didn't water it i don't know but there were places where the rough was not as rough as they had intended maybe that led to part of the first round eight under pars but uh it was uh it was still i, I liked it It was a fun course uh, uh occasionally i got i wish that building could get out of the way <laughs> But it is downtown L.A., uh, the Hollywood Hills. So yeah, I, guess you're I mean, see, uh, you 15, see, uh,
2: 20 story buildings. Uh, Lionel Richie's place right on one of the holes there. Well, I they couldn't kept...
1: figure out whether that was his place or the clubhouse because they were <laughs> the same size. <laughs>
2: that, that his house, ha- his mansion, is unbelievable. Oh my God! I, I don't know if I've ever seen a house that nice from the outside, uh, and you know, and I've I've gone. I'm sure you've like driven through Beverly Hills before and and seen different places, but wow, Lionel Richie, he's uh, he's done well with his money. There's uh, no no frivolous spending from Lionel Richie. Uh,
1: it was incredible, and I remember seeing it like on Thursday, and actually thinking. And I thought the clubhouse was really all white, and it didn't have that, uh, uh, I don't know, the Hispanic roof, you know, that's a, it's a little rust-colored and uh, more of a stucco. And I thought, well, that's not the clubhouse. The clubhouse is really more of a colonial building. But, man, it, I think it was every bit as big as a clubhouse, which yeah. had to be tens of thousands of square feet. Yeah. So uh,
2: it was amazing. It has a uh, nice pool, or yeah. several pools. Um, Yeah, yeah, and and the celebrities were out, and uh, it it, it is surprising just, like, how close that is to downtown L.A., Yeah, and uh, it really is a a muni course, and that's what I love about U.S. Open, you know, play it on public courses like that, Um, and, you know, anyone can go play it, but... um, He's yeah, right
1: there. He was right there next to Sunset Boulevard. I mean, how much more LA can you get? I hey, uh, it's Sunset in
2: uh, Wilshire. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Man, <laughs> yes,
1: really. Um, our man Steve Irvine is with us. We're gonna talk a little stallions and all. Uh, Steve, uh, I know you're a dad. So, did you enjoy yesterday?
5: Oh yeah, I had a great time. I had a great time. Just uh, got to relax and spend time with the kids and watch the golf tournament, and uh, just, uh, yeah,
1: just a real relaxing day. Well, good for you, because you're a father in many, many special ways. I won't get into the details of that, but uh, just suffice it to say that uh, you deserve Father's Day as much as anybody I know. Uh, so there, there you have it. So what did you, <laughs> before we start talking about the Stallions in the USFL and a couple other topics as well, uh, what did you think of the US Open? You
5: know, you know I, I liked it. You know what I enjoyed about it was, there was a couple greens there, uh, you know, more than a couple. There were several greens there that were so difficult to hit with, with the pin placement that, that there was one time, I think it was McElroy, and he hit a shot into it, and he must have been 35 feet away. And and the, the announcer said, well, you can't do any better than that. And I'm like, he's 35 feet away, you know. You're so used to, to, to watching these guys just, you know, stick it right next to the hole. and And, you know, it was such a difficult... You know, a lot of these greens are so difficult. I I, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, I, I thought it was cool. And I did enjoy just listening to y'all. I, I did enjoy being able to see, the you know, L.A. in the background. And, uh, you know, they're really not even in the background. It was right there. And, you know, seeing sunset, you know. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, – I, I thought it was cool. It was fun.
2: Yeah, Steve, you lived out on the West Coast for quite a while. How, how is that course viewed? Do you know the Los Angeles Country Club? Is it – is it viewed sort of with nostalgia by the locals, or or does it you know does it get a lot of use? How, what what do you know about it?
5: Well, I mean, I know it's very nostalgic. I mean, I don't know. I've never been out to it myself, and and you know, I've talked to some people made that have played out there, but it, it is a, it's a very nostalgic sort of um, feel when you hear guys talk about, it, especially people who really lo- love the golf out there, and, and um, you know, because it it, it, it kind of you know, you sort of, at least when I think of it, I think of you know the, the 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 stars out there playing. You know, and I'm talking about the movie stars. I'm not talking about the, you know, the golf yeah. stars. I mean, you know, I, that, that's kind of the way I think of it, and and the way I think of it when people talk about it. So, so it's a very nostalgic feel, and 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 uh, you know, and and I've always heard it's very tough, and and, and that type of thing. So, um, you know, there is uh, it is a um, a revered course among people that
1: live out there. Hey, let's talk Stallions here for a minute. We knew a week ago they are going to be in the playoffs. Now we know who they play. They'll play the Breakers for the third time. But um, Birmingham came back and defeated Memphis, a game in which the Stallions trailed much of the time. But, again, it's Magoo. And, again, yeah. it's Sternberger that may be the two best players in the league. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And that's that's the thing that's
1: been amazing about this is, you know they
5: trail every week. You know, you, generally they start pretty slow, and 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 like you know, like I said last week, I was talking about last week that, that there's there's plenty of holes in in, in their roster right now, and uh, just the um, it's just Magoo and you know and, and obviously Sternberg has been his guy, but Davion Davis had a big game too. Yeah, former receiver, he had nine catches, and you know I think those two guys are are uh, are kind of the guys that Magoo looks to when uh, you know the belt to bail him out of situations, but. You know, I mean, again, if, if if anybody gets a vote besides Alex Magoo right now, that's not to say. Like, I think McLeod Bethel Thompson of you know the, of the Breakers is really probably, and, and Mark Thompson, the running back for Houston. I mean, those two guys are deserving of of consideration for MVP. But I I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, you know the guy is, is Magoo just you know, week after week doing doing what he did this week, and you know, really. I think it says a lot about him that he played this week, you know, cause here's a guy he's pretty beat up now. He's got, you know, he's got some aches and pains and, and he had a chance to, to go to, to uh, skip holes and say, you know, Hey, let, let's shut it down this week. Let's let, you know, give Jalen Morton some time and, and, you know, let, let me just rest. And, and he didn't, and he was out there and he was diving around and he was, you know, he, he hurt his hurt his wrist at one point and, And just kept playing. So I think it says a lot about him that he was even
2: out there. Can you give us a preview of uh, the semifinals now that they're set? Uh, You have the Breakers against the Stallions, uh, the Panthers against the Maulers. But just with the the Breakers and the Stallions, would you say that that Birmingham should be a favorite, even just going into the entire playoffs, which are going to be played in Canton, Ohio?
5: Well, yeah, I, I would say they're the favorite, but it's because of the way you know the way they win games. You know, I I, I do think that as a roster and as, as a complete team, that uh, the Breakers might be the best team. And I've kind of said it all year long that, that you know I think that their roster is tremendous. And and you know they started out, they won their first four, and kind of seemed to be the team, the, the top team in the league. And then they went on a they lost three games in a row where they struggled. McLeod Bethel Thompson was struggling a little bit. And, uh, but you know, I think, you know, they got a great running back in West Hills is probably with Mark Thompson, you know, the top two running backs in the league. They got probably the best group of receivers. You know, Johnny, Johnny Dixon and, and Jonathan Adams are, are two big time, really good receivers. I think will be in the NFL camp. Sage Rott is, uh, along with Jay Sternberger is, is, you know, those are the two best tight ends in the league, you know, and, and they got a good offensive line defensively. Uh, Vontae, uh, uh digs is um is probably the best playmaker on defense he's probably not the best defensive player or he won't be your defensive mvp but i mean he just makes big play after big play so i think you know i think their roster is is as good as anybody in in, in the league it's just you know burn the stallions are finding a way to win but you know they they play they're one and one against each other so this will be a rubber match you know it was uh First game, it really was really a one-score game, and and New Orleans scored late. They ended up winning by two scores. And second game, the Stallions won by four, and really had a really a really bad call against the the Breakers at the end of the game. They end their last chance—not to end their last chance, but really hurt their last chance with with the ball. They go down and maybe score the winner. So these are two evenly matched teams, and I think they're the two best teams in 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 the conference. I I mean, in the league, I think um, the other two, I give them a lot of both teams, uh, you know, Michigan and and Pittsburgh have really kind of fought through some stuff. And, you know, I I give them a lot of credit for being where they're at. But I think the, uh, you know, I I think the championship comes through uh, protective stadium on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I, I, and I misspoke earlier that uh, the, the South Divisional Final between Birmingham and New Orleans is it is here in Birmingham Sunday yeah. at six o'clock uh, on Fox. And uh, and I, I didn't realize this, but the other f- semifinal, which is in Canton, Ohio, the Maulers and the Panthers both have losing records. They're both at four and six. So, in your mind, is this South Division semifinal between Birmingham and New Orleans really uh, the? But the, the, the championship game,
5: I think it is. I mean, I mean, and, and you know, Lord, I mean, you never know when it gets to that final game if, if somebody plays the you know the game of their life or whatever. But I think it's clearly the two best teams uh, playing, you know, in, in this game. And really, honestly, I think the third best team is the Houston Gamblers. I mean, I think you know, I think the best, obviously, the best ball was played in, in, in the in the south this year, but. I think yeah, I think you're looking at the winner of this game being the the team that's you know certainly the big favorite to, to win it and uh, and you know and I think they will. I, again, I give those other two teams credit for fighting through some things. You know, you know Pittsburgh started real slow and, uh, and really really has played well. Pittsburgh is pretty good defensively. Uh, and Michigan is too. Michigan plays pretty good defense, but but I just think that the, these two teams are the most complete teams in this league.
1: I heard the announcers during the Stallions game something, and I was kind of passing through the room, so I I think I got the gist of this. But seemed to me like they were talking about Todd Haley. He's the Mm -hmm. head coach of Memphis, and Mm -hmm. that he didn't appreciate Birmingham hanging it on him last game. I mean, then they went forty-five to (laughs) two. It was forty-two to two, yeah. Forty-two, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Isn't margin of victory a part of the playoff picture if it comes down to tiebreakers? Uh, t- can you clear any of that up, or did I just miss <laughs> here?
5: No, you're absolutely right. That happened. Yeah, and what happened, What he was mad about it really wasn't the 42 to two part. It was the fact that they scored. You know, Birmingham got the ball late and and drove down the field. You know, they're still throwing the football and ended up throwing a two yard touchdown pass. It got down there and threw a two yard touchdown pass with. I don't remember the amount of time. It was less than two minutes. It might have been less than a minute. Um, and it, well, it was late. It was late in the game, and 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 he didn't he didn't like that. I, I don't disagree with him. You know, uh, I don't disagree with Skip Holt for doing it either. I, I think not only not only do you have the margin uh, of you know, for, for a tiebreaker, but you also have at that point. That's early in the year. That was the second game of the year, or third second game of the year. And you know you're trying to you you know you're trying to get going here. You're trying to figure out you know what, what guys can do, and, and I, I didn't blame him uh, necessarily for going ahead and, and just play, keep playing until the end. Uh, just just because of that. I mean, you know, especially when you don't have a preseason games to do that. I mean, you know, you're, you're trying to figure this thing out, and, and yeah, they had a little conversation on the field uh, afterwards with Haley said uh you know we'll, we'll remember this and and uh and and you know he came in the post game it was really wasn't bad in the post game didn't really say much about it in the post game just kind of you know kind of glossed over it a little bit but but uh but but from what i heard from a couple of people was he you know later on they kind of talked and said you know kind of almost apologized to each other and said hey this isn't gonna be a big big deal moving on moving forward but it was kind of fun when it happened for sure
2: Uh, Let's see. On Friday in Pittsburgh, uh, just before 8.30 p.m., police observed a black SUV blocking traffic. And I think you know where I'm going with this. uh, Bob Huggins. Uh, The vehicle had a uh, flat and shredded tire. The driver's uh, door was open. And Huggins ends up uh, uh, taking a a blood sample. They take a blood alcohol content. And it was .21 more Than twice the legal limit in Pennsylvania. Huggins resigns, uh, and now uh, his career's over, no doubt about it. He's 69 years old, and he I, I didn't realize this, but he's, he's the third winningest coach all time in Division One with 935 victories. That's just behind Shashevsky and Bayheim. Um, no national titles, but a couple of Final Four appearances. So, what do you think ultimately? is the legacy of bob huggins that will these incidents and you got to remember he lost his job at cincinnati because of a drunk driving incident is this going to overshadow everything that he's done on the court Uh, i hope not and and you know
5: maybe i'm in the minority among you know people sometimes but um you know we're all humans, we're all you know flesh and blood, and we all make mistakes, you know I mean i i'm I'm gonna remember him as a you know as as a great coach. you know, is he flawed? Heck yeah he's flawed you know and 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 I think that too often we you know we we focus on those flaws instead of what he's done well or what he did well, you know, and, and guy was a great basketball coach, and uh, you know I think he cared for his kids and and you know I think uh, I think he did. A lot of good things in the in the game, so I, you know. Hopefully, we don't, uh, you know, hundred percent say look at look at his mistakes, you know. Uh, now, which you know, hey, should 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 the mistakes have cost him his job? You are darn right, they should have. I mean, that's that's just part of the nature of it. But I hope I hope moving forward, we you know we we don't that that's not the only thing you talk about when you talk about Bob Huggins. And I hope you know with with his with his flaws and with his problems, I hope he gets help and and. Uh, you know, and moves forward in, in, in a positive way that way. But, I mean, I remember him as a, you know, as a head coach and, and as a great coach. And, I, you know, I think that, that it's been kind of cool to, to see some response from Andy Kennedy and response from Frank Martin and some players that kind of, you know, talk about the good things he's done for them instead of just everybody focusing on the mistakes, you know. And, and again, those are terrible mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but... Uh, you know, again, I'm moving forward. I hope we talk about him for for you know for what he's what he's done, you know, positive as, as well as as the flaws.
2: W- very well put. Go ahead, Matt.
1: Yeah, indeed. But um, I, I do want to note, and I'm <clears throat> just kind of magnifying what you just said. This was a serious deal. The condition yeah. of his car, uh, the shredded tire, the door open, yeah. uh, beer cans were scattered all around the vehicle. Uh, this was a man not in control and I want to I, I do want to kind of make sure that we're, we're all real straight on that that was dumb he lost his job he should have I'm not so sure he didn't already have a pretty big asterisk beside his name anyway uh, for what he did uh, on air a couple three weeks ago right. when um, right. yeah. he used what is considered to be uh, Lars you you guys are the wordsmith uh, it was a uh, it was a... Rev, it was a... A degrading a term? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ra- yeah. Yeah, a slur yeah. towards uh, yeah. homosexuals. And um, I, he already kind of had an asterisk beside it. But I do think, as Steve said, you do need to point out... What'd you say?
2: 935 wins?
1: Crap. I didn't yeah. know he was the third winningest.
2: Yeah, right I know. It's really... He's really had a long, uh, successful career. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm with Steve. I hope that this doesn't uh, overshadow what he's done on the court uh, and just all the lives that he has touched over the years. I mean, if if you talk to his players and and I have over the years, they 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 love the guy. They'll do anything for the guy. And I know that uh, you know even some in the media world. Uh, Bob has done some really nice things sort of behind the scenes and uh, he, he strikes me as, as just like you said he's a very good person but like all of us he's a flawed person and I believe big believer in, in second chances third chances but at some point enough is enough and uh, th- that point was reached obviously on Friday night with uh, West Virginia Matt
1: yeah Um and I was like I said just a minute ago wrap it up but, uh, I was surprised he kind of made it through this last ordeal
2: yeah me too um,
1: yeah. So, but yeah, this certainly paved the way uh, Steve what do we do follow you on Twitter how do we keep up with you these days
5: yeah I still got my same uh, Twitter Steve Irvine 04 uh, just um, still trying to stay as active as I can in that and uh, hopefully there's a couple situations that uh, could happen but uh, still waiting on those you know you know in this in this business nothing happens quickly that's for sure and uh, so but true. uh until till then follow me on
1: twitter all right right, will do steve always appreciate your visits thank you once again and yeah thanks steve um, have a great week all right thanks guys talk to you soon Bye. steve irvine on big noon sports presented by haley sansing union home Mortgage.
3: SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
4: Connecting one to mental marks Mark Smart, downtown Northport for now four years. When you want to dominate the grill today or any day, you'll find the great steaks. You'll find the great entrees. Things that you will not find any other place, including the double J milk that's made right here in West Alabama. You'll find it at Mark's Mark, Selma, Alabama, since 1978. We celebrate now four years in downtown Northport under that Roll Tide Bridge. Chicken entrees, steak entrees. You'll find the fresh vegetables, the Wonder Roast chicken. Go see our friends, home of the chicken swirl, since 1978, Mark's Mark, Downtown Northport.
2: Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you.
0: NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon. Just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today 91. The low tonight 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high 90. Sunday showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Back on Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing. Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate that very much. Hope everybody had a great Father's Day weekend. Here's another story that popped up midway through the weekend. Didn't give you any advance notice on this one, Lars, but I'm assuming you saw that former South Alabama player and hero of the 2011 National League Championship. In fact, he was the MVP. And uh, then he was the MVP of the World Series. Uh, I would kind of call him a flash because he just had a, an incredible month and in two series, but he was the World Series MVP. But David Freeze was um not nominated i mean he's on the ballot I mean, he was voted to be a member of the cardinals hall of fame and when you start thinking about gibson and bronk and Musial uh and wee willie keeler remember that one lars did you have his baseball card oh <laughs> uh, no. but you, you start thinking about those guys uh and he turned it down he just he felt like he wasn't worthy uh Just a quick thought on that, because I I have one, and I'm a a little critical. I mean, the guy has every right in the world to turn it down, and there's a certain amount of respect that I have for him doing it. But the other side of it is that, man, the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, the second-best baseball franchise in the history of baseball, you've been asked to join their elite? Is that... (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble for this, but is that not thumbing somebody in the eye a little bit, too? Or am I reading it wrong?
2: You know what it feels like to me? That we don't know the whole story. That there's something else going on here. Because this, at face value, makes zero sense. Uh, Guys don't turn down offers to go into the Hall of Fame in a very public forum. Uh, because they feel like that they're not worthy that that just doesn't happen. And so my reporter instinct in me <laughs> tells yeah. me that we're not getting the full picture has not been painted for us and uh, maybe we'll find out about it one day or, or maybe it is and, and my instinct is off, but uh, I, I don't I don't understand this at all. Especially when you consider the fact that he was born
1: 30 minutes away from Bush State. I mean, this guy grew up a Cardinal. That makes yeah, it even I mean, more difficult the, to the, understand and, why and, he would turn it down.
2: And the thing is, like he became a World Series legend in 2011, right? He hits a game-time triple to keep the Cardinals' season alive with two outs in the bottom of the ninth of Game 6 against the uh, Texas Rangers, And then he wins that game with a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 11th. Cardinals go win. They win game seven. uh, And that was their most recent championship back in 11. Uh, Freeze was named World Series MVP. He was also that year named uh, the NLCS MVP. I mean, right there are some pretty strong credentials to be in the Hall of Fame. It's like you were the most important player on the team in uh that that was your last world championship winning team. So again, this doesn't make sense to me. Uh and uh it it may again I, I could be wrong, but uh it's something so that little that little voice inside, right? That that it's tells you it's
1: called your gut, your yeah, instinct. You said tells, instinct Yeah,
2: but... that tells you that something's a little off here.
1: Yeah, you're like Leroy Jethro Gibbs on uh NCIS. You just got a gut feeling, and usually your gut is right. So I, I tend to think the way you do. I do remember, however, that uh, during the course of uh, his heroics, uh, he was really a humble guy. It's almost like he didn't even want to talk to anybody. So maybe it truly is something that he's just so humble that he just doesn't think in the world, world of Garth and whatever it is that he's not worthy. So... I, I I guess that could be the case, but uh,
2: that little birdie's sitting on my shoulder too, Lars, if that makes you feel any, any better about <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow, that reference was deep in the 90s, by the way. <laughs> oh, it. the worn out working. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's one thing
1: I can do on this show, Lars, better than anybody associated. I can show my age. <laughs> and that's really, um, golly, I think I was like 40 when that was coming out. So. Uh, yeah, I got, yeah, I didn't think about it being that long ago that there are... Uh, There's students driving around Tuscaloosa going, What is that old man saying? (laughs) We're not worthy. What is this we're not worthy stuff?
2: Yeah, that's uh, Garth and. Garth and. uh, I can't remember
1: the other guy who was. uh, was Didn't they do a couple of movies and they were pretty funny? They sing in Bohemian Rhapsody. Wayne's World. Wayne's
2: World. Dana Carvey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, I just to uh, just dive even deeper and run off more young Gen X, Gen Z uh, listeners. Uh, that Aerosmith was on Wayne's World once, and uh, the roadie was Tom Hanks. It's one of the most hysterical bits I've ever seen uh, on Saturday Night Live. Which, uh, well, when man, uh, I turned on Saturday Night Live Saturday night, obviously, and I knew one cast member. Yeah. It's, and I didn't uh, know the artist, or
2: I didn't know who the host was. Never heard of him. <laughs> hey, on the other side, let's talk about Julian Sayan and what his weekend was like. Future Alabama quarterback had a big, big weekend out in uh, California. When we get back,
1: yeah, and another quarterback's in the news. Austin Simmons asked Lane Kiffin about it. Asked Florida about it. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
4: up briar spray foam it's matthew briar's spray foam insulation open cell closed cell injection foam insulation crawl space encapsulation if you want to save some money on your power bill you'll find briar spray foam protect that investment dedicated spray foam insulation pros of tuscaloosa county you can read more about it including some great reviews briarssprayfoam.com find him on facebook 205-546-8319. 205-546-8319. 205-546-8319. 205-546-8319. Let Matthew Bryars come out. Do a free quote and evaluation. It's Briars Spray Foam. We save between $60 and $90 every single month on our power bill because we chose to let Matthew Briars and Breyers Spray Foam come out and protect our investment. Breyers Spray Foam.
2: Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
0: A Town Square media station. WTUG HD2 Northport. W265 CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: We're back. Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Talked about the Open. We talked about Huggins. We're going to talk some recruiting. I did want to make mention, though, because he's a Southeastern Conference guy. Well, he's a Birmingham guy. Gordon Sargent was the highest-finishing amateur in the U.S. Open from uh, right here in Mountain Brook, Um, over there on that side near Lars, not my side. Okay. But <laughs> uh, anyway, this guy can play. He looks like he could be playing Little League with Lincoln. I'm, with all due respect, Gordon, you got a great game. But um, he's a very youthful guy. Wasn't he the highest finishing uh, amateur at the Masters, too? I believe he was. Anyway, congrats. He has great game.
2: Yeah, uh, that is a... Um... Uh, quite an achievement, and it bodes well for his future, uh, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to talk just real briefly about Julian Sain, uh, who is Alabama's uh, QB commit for, um, uh, excuse me, for tw- uh, who who was participating in the Elite 11, right? That's every year when the best high school quarterbacks go to L.A. for a three-day competition. Uh, it's, it's only the best of the best in high school are invited. And um, on Thursday, so uh, he, again, he's, he's one of Alabama's, he was really like their uh, their sort of cornerstone recruit uh for this next class and uh and um and Julian saying he's from carlsbad california so he didn't have to go very far uh to travel to this uh event in la but um so on thursday he was named the winner of the pro day event which scored 20 throws on accuracy and rhythm and again you're just uh you're just Thrown against air for the most part. I mean, there's no 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 rush or anything. And then on Friday, he was named the overall MVP of the event, and uh, he uh, uh, just really impressed the 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 various uh, recruiting scouts who were there. Um, and uh, and the the past winners of this uh, event, who were named MVP of Elite Eleven, include Caleb Williams, reigning national uh, or reigning Heisman Trophy winner, uh, CJ Stroud, and uh, Spencer Rattler, our guy Spencer Rattler. Uh, so I think Alabama should feel really good about him because again, he earned such really good he earned really good reviews from a lot of different people. Uh, One person called him the alpha dog of the 20 different uh, uh, quarterbacks who were there. And uh, those guys tend to have pretty big personalities. And uh, a lot of people were comparing him, again, to uh, Dylan Rayola, right? And these two guys are going to be linked, I think, for a long time because Rayola is is considered the number one overall quarterback in this uh, class. Uh, 2024, and, uh, and 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 uh, Sayin is considered the, the second uh, sort of number two, and, uh, and and as we know, Rayola is going to Georgia, Saiyan going to Alabama. And so these two are going to be facing off, uh, you know, for years to come, most likely. And uh, and and he really uh, Julian Sain sort of cemented himself as the top quarterback on the West Coast. And um, last year, let's see, he committed to the Tiger uh, to uh, Alabama on November second. And last uh, fall, he completed one sixty three at two forty five. Uh, twenty-seven hundred yards, twenty-seven touchdowns. He's he's really more of a of a pocket passer than what uh, Alabama. Then then uh, then he he's a pocket passer. Basically, let's just put it that way. And uh, and so he is. Uh, He's performing really well, and it it certainly should give Alabama fans uh, reason to be optimistic about the future. I don't know if you've been following this at all, but I wanted to to sort of set this up because we're going to have Andrew Bone on, our recruiting expert, uh, here in about 10 minutes. And I really want Andrew to do a deep dive for us into uh, Julian saying – and just what his ceiling is and how good he could be at alabama well an old miss
1: is celebrating and if you don't believe me just follow lane kiffin on twitter austin simmons one of the top ranked quarterbacks by the way he has a 5.34 gpa that's uh man that's a lot of extra credit um Five point? I mean, a four is it's, the best you can do, right? How do you get a 5.34? I guess i it's, it's, it's called
2: grade inflation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Truly. Uh, but anyway, he was committed to Florida. He flipped. And, man, Lane Kiffin does not hold back. In fact, that was one of uh, his tweets was, I won't back down the Tom Petty song. And that is traditionally played uh, as they enter the fourth quarter. But... Um, This kid's something special, too, and uh, he committed or, I guess, decommitted, then committed to Ole Miss. He's going to play for Kiffin. Um, And, hey, good for Kiffin, good for Ole Miss. Uh, If I were a quarterback coming out, he might be one of the guys I'd really want to play with. But uh, I I also think, you know, I'm, I'm really one starting to wonder, and, man, Florida fans are right now, even after a year, is Billy
2: Napier the guy? Yeah, I don't know. Um, this is a big hit uh, for uh, for Napier and, and uh, Florida. You're right. And what's interesting is that he originally joined the Gators, and he committed in April as a member of the class of 2025. And now... <laughs> He's coming to college two years early, not one year, but two Andrew's years. Going to have
1: to straighten that out for me because yeah. I don't know how you can. Online courses is that uh, what he yeah, did? Or
2: yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know either. Um, so he's and now he's going to be in the class of 2023, and what would, I mean, what is he? 16 years old? I, I, I don't know. I, I would have to. I'd have to learn a little bit more about him, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, last year he uh, he broke uh, Anquan Bolden's school record uh, for most passing yards in his season. Remember, Bolden went on to play for Florida State Florida as a State. wide receiver. Yeah, um, and he, he's 6'3", 200. Um, he's transferred a couple times in high school, uh, so maybe that's why he uh, maybe that's why he has. I don't know. That's why he's graduating so early. And oh, I get it now. Okay, he was homeschooled, and he finished high school at age sixteen via online courses. And he's already completed fifteen college credits as of this coming August. So his mom must have been a pretty easy grader. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, he was he was taking he was taking online classes, and he was just uh, obviously tearing it up online. Um. He's yeah, gonna be I, a I,
1: sophomore I, I, when he enrolls. Yeah, yeah. In,
2: in, in academic, in, in academic standing, yeah. uh, I've got, yeah, I, I, I've got thoughts on homeschooling, but I'll leave him to myself. How about that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know. We are
1: in that period of time before we get in a few weeks to be SEC media days, and we'll be full on. I'm going to find a day. In fact, I'm making a note to myself. <laughs> as the segment cars, on homeschooling. Ours <laughs> about well, uh, we're not going to go there, but I will bet you and I have similar thoughts in that area. Uh, by the way, aren't all children homeschooled in some ways? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what you learn there better be more than what you learn in a classroom. Yeah. Uh, probably. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a pretty safe statement. Anyway, there's a picture on Twitter. <clears throat> now, there's Kiffin with his uh, with his visor, Ole Miss, Ole Miss shirt, and I think his left hand he has an Ole Miss helmet. By the way, they're so good looking with that blue and yeah. red. Yeah. And um, then on the other side he has a, ga- a little bitty gator. I think it's probably not real. Uh, I wouldn't hold one. But he's holding it up one side, Ole Miss on the other. And he's just burying the Gators in that. And I guess in this case, it's Billy Napier. And that's trouble for Napier, as we just talked
2: about. Yeah, and what's even more troubling is that uh, this quarterback, he, Austin Simmons, the reason he decided to change schools, and he said this on uh, the Coach Me Coach podcast, um, he just said that he had a great connection with Lane Kiffin. And also with uh, Charlie Weiss Jr., who's the uh, offensive coordinator and son of Charlie Weiss, uh, former Notre Dame head coach. But the fact that he said it's his connection with Kiffin, isn't that a shot uh, inadvertently at Napier? Because if you're saying it's the connection with Kiffin, what you aren't saying is, well, I don't have a good relationship with Napier or a close one. It doesn't even compare to what I have with Kiffin. So that is sort of uh, troubling, I think, if you are uh, a Florida fan, the fact that this this star quarterback who you've had on the hook since April suddenly uh, bails on you, and uh, the reason he bails on you is because he has a stronger relationship to another head coach rather than the head coach who had signed him months earlier, a few months earlier. So I, I think uh, I, I, I do I do think this is like a a, a warning for uh, Napier that uh, he uh, he needs to uh, get his recruiting kicked into overdrive, which something that's something frankly that uh, Florida's been lacking over the years, right? They just haven't had the quality of recruiting classes. Uh, that Urban Meyer consistently put together down in Gainesville.
1: Well, and if I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm probably not trolling Florida real quick because this kid with his track record, he could flip next week again. Yeah, I know. Sound like that? Uh, Yeah. It it does to me, but uh, I I love the line about his mother graded easily. All right. Uh, (laughs) Hey, when we get back, we'll talk more recruiting with our man Andrew Bohm as we continue to bring you a Monday edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
3: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Stephen Millers, Northport Power
4: Equipment. Largest inventory Husqvarna dealer in the southeast. You'll find the Husqvarna models for residential and the professional landscapers. Skag commercial mowers, residential mowers, backpack blowers, handheld blowers. Battery-operated tools, the service department at Northport Power Equipment, two blocks east of the Northport Civic Center. You'll find Northport Power Equipment established in 1996. Northport Power Equipment.
2: Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing, based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you.
0: NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon, just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high, 90. Sunday, showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Big Noon Sports. Joined now by Mr. Recruiting Guy, Knows All. Andrew Bone joins us uh, real quickly before we get into recruiting, which we're going to do at length. Did you have a nice uh, Father's Day? Because I know you became a father here. What in the last couple of three years?
6: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it was a uh, great Father's Day. Uh, my son, he's about to uh he'll be two here in the next. A uh, month and a half, which is crazy to think about. And we'll have a, have a little girl here here in the fall. Oh, really? Wow, I'm not sure we knew
2: that. Congrats! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
6: pretty uh, pretty
2: intimidating. I warned you, but
1: okay. Tell you what, little girls are trouble, man. They will steal your heart, and then they'll break it when they get to be about 14 or 15. Uh, But uh, no, it's all good. Uh, The wonders of parenthood are just awesome, and we all three know that. Um, Hey, I'm going to start with my quarterback question, and then we're going to go to Lars for his quarterback question. But Austin Simmons um, flipped. We all saw it on Twitter. And is there some way he's going to move up in eligibility from his graduation from 25 to 23? You got to explain that to me.
6: <laughs> well, that's the plan. Uh, you know that it's something that you know he is going to try to do at least. I don't think it's you know 100% a done deal, but you know with the ability to be able to take a lot of online courses and, and get those passed, you know he's going to be doing that. You know, really over the over the summer, and then you know when he gets home from school in the fall, be also taking uh, you know some extra online courses, and you know, if the NCAA approves it, obviously there's going to have to be a um, you know they're going to have to go through the NCAA clearinghouse for all of that and make sure everything is um, copacetic. But I, I certainly think that you know that is the plan as of right now, and, and you know we don't really see a lot of. <laughs> this is probably the first one that i've seen where where a kid has tried to reclassify um uh, from two classes below you know we, we have seen it a lot more you know at first it was i was blown away i guess this was 20 years ago when when a kid enrolled in, in college early uh when he got to we were able to get there in january and, and start competing and going for spring practice and and then we start seeing, you know, from time to time, kids reclassifying. So that with, um, you know, with some players over the last few years. Quain Avers, uh did that with Texas or with Ohio State before he transferred to Texas. We saw that uh, this past year with uh, Dez Rick, Alabama defensive back, to reclassified. And so we're going to continue to do that with some more guys. But going to two classes, that's uh, that's a lot of extra homework that you're having to do. So we'll, we'll see if he's able to do it all.
2: Andrew, uh, this past weekend, Julian Sain, a Alabama commit at quarterback, uh, won the MVP awards at the Elite Eleven, and uh, had a lot of people raving about him. What, what can you tell us about Julian Sain, and also how does he compare to Dylan Rayola? who generally is regarded as the number one quarterback recruit Sain is really at number two uh dylan rayola is going to be going to georgia and with a, a saying going to alabama it seems like these two guys are going to be linked for a while yeah you know doing
6: thing yeah raved about him for for a while really since he committed to alabama and and, even before then um you know committed alabama back in november and and it's been a very solid commitment ever since then you know i I remember talking to one of his quarterback trainers who was also the quarterback trainer in high school for bryce young and he told me that julian is it's more advanced than than bryce was at this state, and you know that's Wow. That's some pretty lofty phrase right there. Um, yeah. You know, what he does great is, you know, he, he's a, you know, he has great vision on the field, dissects plays really well. He's very accurate. Um, you know, has a, um, you know, has a has a strong arm. I would probably say Dylan, Dylan Rayola has a little bit strong arm. He can throw it a little bit further, but, um, you know, he's just a precision passer. And, and that's what was on display you know, during the Elite 11, during his pro, you know, A lot of people look at the Elite 11 and, and, you know, they see there's a pro day where you go out and, you know, you compete. But it's three days of competing. It's sitting in classrooms. It's going through uh, film and sitting down with quarterback trainers. And then you're uh, competing in a 7-on-7 event, OT7, uh, which was also held out there this past weekend. And, And Julian also competed in that. So he went from competing in the Elite 11 for three days Straight to uh, you know one of the biggest seven on seven events uh, in the country, and coming away as the MVP of that event as well. And I, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people say, "Well, there's no pads on or anything," but uh, you can you can tell a lot you know from a quarterback you know just by watching him you know out there working and competing. And you know, I think he's you know he, he's got it in his uh, in his head. That's what you're really looking for. You know what's between the ears. These I mean, quarterbacks obviously got a little bit of size. You know not. Really big, not you know, he's not one of these six foot three, 225 pound quarterbacks. He's six foot one, you know, right at about 195 pounds. Uh, and he's gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, last fall, I think he was in that you know 180 185 range. Now he's gotten a little bit more weight to him, uh, he's gotten a little bit bigger so. Oh, this is a kid who is completely focused and is also excited about getting to Tuscaloosa in January. He's going to enroll early and um, and start competing. And he's also not thing. I think the biggest thing is, you know, like a lot of these kids, you know, they take a lot of visits still after they commit. Julian's uh, really locked in with Alabama. Yeah, you know, even with the coaching changes that we saw earlier this year on the offense side of the ball, coordinator. Um, he never, you know. Blinton Island. He was uh, always very uh, solid with Alabama, and yeah, he's
2: been out there recruiting others to Alabama as well. If I could follow up just really quick, did Alabama target him, Julian Sain, over Rayola, or did they just, uh, or did, or did they go after both of them?
6: Well, there was probably you know three, four quarterbacks last summer that they that they really liked. Um, and Dylan and Julian were in that group. They had both of them on campus last summer. And, you know, they recruited both of them. You know, well, I don't think it was a situation where we're going to wait for one before we take the other. Um, you know, when kids are just going into their junior season, you know, they're not really, they're not really pressing for a commitment. But at the same time, uh, you are heavily recruiting those guys. A lot of quarterbacks do make earlier decisions to go ahead and kind of help jumpstart the recruiting class. But uh, but I think both of those kids, Dylan and Julian, you know, were both right at the top of Alabama's recruiting board. They were going to take either one of those guys. Dylan submitted early uh, to Ohio State uh, before he uh, reopened his recruitment and eventually committed to Georgia. But um, you know, once Alabama, you know, Willie zoned in on um, Julian, saying, you know, once the fall kind of started recruiting them, throughout the fall earned his commitment in November. Uh, you know, really kind of shut things down after that. They, they still showed some interest in a few other guys. Aaron Nolan, who's uh, going to Ohio State, they, you know, they brought him in for a couple of visits, but uh, they weren't going to take really anybody else at quarterback. You know, they, they had their guy in Julian saying once he made that decision.
1: Andrew, uh, maybe it's just front of mind because um, I, I can't remember the guy's name that just recently signed with Tennessee, hotshot quarterback, um, who likely play this year Uh, but he's from california bryce young's from california Uh, a lot of the quarterbacks we're talking about now are from california is this just now setting in on matt or uh it seems to be trending is that is that a fact
6: well there's always a lot of great quarterbacks in california because there's you know there's a lot of great quarterback trainers in california you know a lot of these guys that are playing in you know for elite high school football programs. And, you know, we know the names. Mater Dei, St. John Bosco, you know, those are all, those are two programs that uh, always produce elite talent. And, you know, college coaches are always going to be out there recruiting. And, and, you know, dads out in California, parents out in California are always going to try to get, you know, their kids in those, you know, great high school football programs. But I think a lot of it stems from, you know, a lot of the quarterback trainers that are out there. Um, you know, they start competing, you know, they start, start not competing, but start working with these guys when they're, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old and, you know, really helps develop these guys over the course of, you know, four or five years and get them ready for the college, uh, you know, level. So I think that has to do with it. Obviously there's a lot of great quarterbacks, you know, really throughout, you know, the entire country. I and mean, you can find them just about anywhere. I mean, they may not be as far as depth, you know, the state of California might produce, you know, 30 Division One quarterbacks each year, whereas, you know, you go to the state of Alabama, there might be, you know, four or five guys. But there's still guys in you know, a lot of these states in Alabama, Georgia, you know, Tennessee, USC, whoever it may be. They're going to go, you know, try to find the best quarterback possible, regardless of which state to do it.
2: All right. You're going to have to uh, explain the phenomenon of Trent Seaborn to me. Uh, (laughs) The the Thompson quarterback uh, just got an offer from Alabama uh, after leading Thompson to a 7-on-7 championship uh, in Tuscaloosa at at, at the Crimson Tide 7-on-7 on Saturday. So he's now got an Alabama offer, an Auburn offer. Uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Nebraska, North Carolina, Oregon, Wisconsin, and on and on and on. And he is going into the ninth grade. All right. So explain all of this to me. And he's 5'11, 165 for what it's worth. I think his dad is uh, 6'2, 6'3.
6: Yeah, so Trent, um, you know, as we know, uh, led Thompson to the uh, Class 7A state championship this past year. Um, You know, goes in, helps Thompson stay undefeated, wins that 7-on-7 tournament down in Tuscaloosa this past weekend, got the offer. You know, could Trent Seaborn call up Nick Saban right now and, and commit to him? Probably not. But, you know, getting that offer, knowing that you are a, you know, an early target for Alabama, somebody that's you know they are going to be watching closely for the next you know few years several years um and if he continues to develop and continues to uh and stays out of trouble not saying he's um, trouble you know a kid that gets in trouble at all but you know just always does the right things and you know continues to improve his game you know he's going to be one of those you know top three top five quarterback prospects probably in the country um you know he's already uh he's a part of a great high school football program. Obviously, he's got a great coaching staff that works so with him. Mark Freeman, one of the best uh, offensive minds, you know, not only in the state but in, in the entire country. And he's going to be working with him for the next um, four years. You know, that that's outstanding. So a lot of it over the course of the next few years is going to be about development. How much bigger is he going to get? How much better can he get? Obviously, you don't want to peak when you're in the eighth grade. You want to continue to get better continuing to approve, and, you know, that's, you know, a lot of these offers that are getting extended, they are recognizing you as a potential uh, quarterback for their team several years down the road. So a lot of it's just going to depend on, uh, you know, what he's going to be able to do over these next four years.
1: Hey, man, uh, we normally just keep you about 10, 12 minutes. Do you mind hanging through a break? Do you have time to do that? If you don't, certainly we'll understand. Yeah, I can stick around. Good, because we we just uh, kind of hit the tip of the iceberg here. So we'll be back with more of Andrew Bone. Andrew is with Bama Online on 3 Sports, at Andrew J. Bone, if you want to follow him on Twitter. You're listening
4: to Big Noon Sports.
3: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
4: Nukes Eatery, University Boulevard, close enough that you can smell the championships. The new springtime salads are a feature cranberry almond chicken salad sandwich only for a limited time. Don't forget about the Nukes Q sandwich, which is that wonderful white barbecue sauce. You will find those, the pimento cheese, the salads, the California-style pizzas, those 12-layer cakes. It's Nukes, close enough that you can smell the championships catering from a group of five to 500 Nukes, 205 University Boulevard, 205-758-2455. Close enough that you can smell the championships. Go see our friends at Nukes.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
1: on Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Our guest is Andrew Bone. Um, Andrew, who is on the horizon? Uh, Who is within Alabama's grasp? Uh, Name a couple, three players that we'll be hearing commitments from here in the very near future.
6: Ooh, you know, I think with Alabama right now, currently sitting with eight commitments. You know, There's some schools that have several more, but this is kind of not how Alabama likes to play. They like to kind of go through the official visit season, which this weekend is the last weekend of official visits in the summer. So, big week in coming up for the Tide. They've also got a couple of officials this weekend. But, you know, if I'm looking at a few guys that could possibly make decisions for Alabama, there, there's two offensive linemen that I think Alabama has a great chance to land. and uh, One is Casey Pogue, uh the number one interior offensive lineman in the country uh, from Lindale, Texas. He's going to be in for an official visit uh, this week, and uh, he's going to make a decision in early July. Uh, he's taken a lot of visits this month, Oklahoma, Auburn, uh, Texas Tech, but you know, in the end, I-, I think Alabama's got a great chance because he's visited Alabama. This will be the fourth or fifth time family or Alabama fans. Uh, Dad's a big Alabama fan, and this is a big visit for him coming up this weekend, so that's somebody that we're going to be watching closely. Another one, uh, this is an in-state target. Uh, and it's William Sanders. He's out of Brookwood High School. Earned an offer from Alabama a couple weeks ago uh, at Tides Camp. Uh, Alabama had just recently picked up a, another interior offensive lineman, uh, Joseph Ianotta, uh from Clearwater, Florida. They offered William Sanders the same day, interior lineman, kind of you know, more of a, of a guard rather than a center. But uh, I think there's a good chance that he ends up in Alabama's class 4-2 long. And I'll stick in-state. Another in-state player that just came off an official visit to Alabama is Demarcus Riddick. Now, Riddick's not going to make a final decision until late July, but he just uh, has taken his three officials this month, Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia, with Alabama getting that last visit. Alabama, in my opinion, is sitting in a really good spot. He's a Georgia commitment. been committed to Georgia for a long time. Uh, but, you know, this has kind of been Alabama. Alabama's really had the momentum for him, you know, really ever since the spring. It's a big position of need inside linebacker. Uh, they treated him as a top priority. Um, his mom, uh, who was on his visit with him this past weekend, huge Alabama fan. He's going to be announcing uh, a final decision uh, on her birthday in late July. So that's somebody that we're going to be watching uh, really closely as well.
2: Andrew, of the eight current commits in the class of 2024, Alabama has two wide receivers. Uh, one is Perry Thompson out of uh, Foley, 6'3", 200, uh, big kid, and whenever you think of Thompson or uh, Foley and wide receiver, um you know where we're going with that but uh and and then Rico Scott out of uh, Harrisburg Pennsylvania 6 foot 185 what can you tell us uh about these two wide receivers and is is wide receiver uh, it, it certainly appears to be a position of emphasis in this class of 2024
6: yeah, I think Alabama is really excited about both Perry and Rico Scott. Um, both camped at Alabama last summer, so, and you know, so they saw enough of those two guys. I think Rico may have run the fastest forty of any wide receiver uh, at Alabama's camp last year. So both of them have been high on the recruiting board for a long time. Uh, Rico came in for his official visit last weekend. Uh, you know, had a great time. Has really kind of shut things down, not taking any other visits. And um, I think he's going to early enroll as well. Now, with Perry Thompson, things are a little, you know, tricky with him just because he he kind of shut things down as far as, you know, talking to media. Now, he did talk to some Auburn media yesterday after an official visit there. Um, You know, as he walked outside, the Auburn media was out there. He was able to talk to those guys and, you know, really kind of told them that uh, it's kind of a toss up between Alabama and Auburn right now. I'm not sure, you know, really which way it's going to go. I know Alabama felt that they were in a great spot with him after the official visit uh, a few weeks ago in Tuscaloosa he's always kind of come across as him being a solid commitment but at the same time has visited Auburn three or four times in the last two months and Auburn is going all in on uh, making sure he feels like a top priority down there so if he were to flip it would shock me Um, I think they've done a good job but at the same time he's given us as far as you know, his words and actions hasn't really given us a reason to think that he's about to flip. So, we'll see what happens there. I think he's going to make a final decision sometime in, in July, but you know those are the two Alabama wide receiver commits right now. I think they would like to add another one or two. Amari Jefferson, uh, who's a Tennessee baseball commit out of the Baylor School in Chattanooga, is you know, a guy that they, they really like a lot. Plans on playing baseball and football uh, in college has Alabama and Georgia really is his top two. And then uh, Arian Hansen out of Texas has the top two of Alabama in, in Texas. He's going to make a decision in, um, in early July. And, um, you know, you, you can never forget, uh, Alabama has the best wide receiver in the country, in my opinion, or, you know, possibly regardless of class, in, uh, in Ryan Williams out of Sierra the Mr. football winner. Uh, so, you know, I think Alabama's going to be all right at the receiver position um, for the foreseeable future.
2: Andrew, you've been doing this a long time, and I just want to follow up real quick. Um, and y- y- you have this uncanny ability to predict when the kid is going to flip. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, seriously, you've, you've, you've told me like 20 different kids over the years, and they all end up flipping. What, what is it? What characteristic or what uh, signal do they send that you are able to interpret as, uh-oh, this kid may not uh, be as firm in, in his commitment as we once thought?
6: <laughs> well, you know, it's a uh, it's a case by case deal. I mean, we, you know, we talk to so many kids, we talk to so many parents, coaches. Um, you know, you, you got to you know kind of trust your sources as well. Um, you know, you, you can't just lean on with what one person's saying. You got to contact you know three or four different people, make sure that you're all on the same page, and you know something's about to happen. Because I, I don't like to report anything just. Based on my knowledge, I want to talk to other people and and get their point of view as well before we really break it down and and say where things stand. But, uh, you know, I think that's really what it is. I mean, it's just being able to contact, you know, different people, uh, be in touch and not just give your own opinion uh, on the matter. But a lot of times, you know, recruits will also tell us, you know, what's going on. Maybe it's their trainer as long as uh, they can trust us by not saying that it's, uh, you know, 100 percent going to happen uh, you know, they're going to continue to tell us, you know, the um, the real juice and the real stoop, and that's what we try to bring to our subscribers on Bama Online.
1: Yeah, can you go back in, uh, I guess, pretty recent history here? you remember Tyler Buckner coming out of high school? What what were his numbers, and uh, was he a five-star? <laughs>
6: you know, not really. Um, yeah, He wasn't really recruited by Alabama coming out of high school, and you know, a lot of these kids um, – you know that i try to follow are the ones that um you know that are heavily recruited by alabama um and obviously there's a lot of those guys so it's hard to uh to sometimes keep track but uh, he was a high four-star kid uh, i think some services may have had him as a top 100 uh player but um you know as far as me really you know following his recruitment that much growing uh you know coming out of high school I, I didn't really know much about Tyler Buckner coming out, you know, outside of you know he was a California kid. Hey, there we go back to the back to the California uh, quarterbacks. Uh, but uh, in you know, I think he committed early to Notre Dame. Um, I think it was like really early, like when I mean, he was like a sophomore, he committed to Notre Dame and never never looked back. So there was never really uh, any sort of reason for us to, uh, at least us on the Alabama side, to pay much attention to him.
2: Andrew there's been uh a lot of words written uh not that I believe they're accurate but uh about how NIL and uh, transfer portal all is frustrating to Nick Saban and uh, if you read Mike Florio at uh, uh the, at, at Pro Football Talk you you would think that Saban's got one foot out the door at Alabama uh is that the case i mean is is florio have any is there a kernel of truth to anything that he is putting out there and also um just can you explain uh or tell us how good is this incoming class of 2023 i know they're ranked number one in the country by most services but is it right up there with saban's all-time best
6: well, I'll answer that question before I get to the NIL. And, and, yeah, I think, you know, anytime you're trying to compare classes to, to previous ones, it, you're not really going to know until two or three years down the road and, and see how, what kind of an impact these guys end up making. And, you know, are they going to, you know, win championships? Are they going to win Heisman's? Are they going to win, or are they going to uh, be first round draft picks? So I think we'll know here in a few years, but obviously, You know, the uh, the freshman class, some of the guys that we saw during spring practice, um, Caden Proctor, Caleb Downs, um, obviously Justice Haynes, you know James Smith. There's a lot of talk about those guys during the spring and how well they did and and performed throughout spring training. But then you bring in some guys that, you know, people may have forgotten about. Keon Keeley, Yonsei Pierre, uh, Richard Young, uh, guys that enrolled at Alabama – uh, you know, in late May, uh, you know, it's a special recruiting class. So I'm excited to see what they're able to do uh, here in the future, you know, and, you know, some of these guys uh, this upcoming season. But as far as NIL, I mean, I do think they really annoyed with, with the way it's kind of gone about. I mean, I think they've navigated it pretty well and, and, you know, done a better job than they did maybe that first year of NIL because you just a lot of people were just treating it like the wild, wild west, whereas Alabama was, you know, probably more so um, you know, holding back a little bit, you know, waiting to see if things were, you know, you know, I guess uh, approved before they really did anything. whereas you may have seen some other schools just go all out for kids, and probably still do. And I, I think we're starting to see more NIL discussions ha- happening early and earlier with kids. I think some recruits that have come in um you know this year uh it's probably the first topic of conversation for a lot of them or maybe it is for their families but you know we're seeing more and more of that and it's probably because um you continue to hear in the media this player got x number of dollars that player got this that player got this so now everybody thinks they deserve uh to be getting the same amount and so a kid might be getting an offer right off the bat from one school, and then they're going to visit another school and say, hey, this is what this school is offering me. What are you going to offer me? And I mean, it's it's part of the process now, but it's also something that a lot of these coaches are, are trying to fight back on and trying to figure out uh, the best approach and, and the best way to handle it. And that's you know, probably why you see Saban so upset about it because there are some things that are um, – you know, it almost seems like kids are being bought rather than, hey, we're going to get you set up with a good NIL deal. You can make money off of your name, image, and likeness. But on the flip side, it's like, hey, we'll give you a million dollars just to come play football here, and you know, it doesn't matter what you know some of the kids on our team are currently making. And that that's something that Saban just doesn't like at all. He, he wants these kids to, you know, he wants them to be able to profit, but he also doesn't want to go out there and just purchase a kid uh to come play for his school so i think that's the that's the biggest hiccup that uh that he he does not like right now at all That you know kind of going on with and it's probably gone i mean not probably but it has gone on with some of the kids that they they've recruited over the course of the last couple of years that they were in a you know top two top three four and um they may have missed out on because nil kind of got in the way but um We'll see what happens in the future. I mean, you know, Saban can't complain. He's just not one of the, uh, you know, the best recruiting classes of all time. And, um, you know, I'm sure some of those guys got some good NIL deals as well.
1: Andrew, quickly tell us, uh, tell everybody listening to Big Noon Sports how they can follow Andrew Bone.
6: Well, you follow us them Online, BOL. Uh, for those that follow Alabama Sports, we've got complete team coverage and recruiting on BOL. Uh, Only a few days left for our $1 special. Pay $1, get six months of access on Bama Online. Go check us out now, and you can follow me on my Twitter account, at Andrew, the letter J, Bone.
2: Great stuff, stuff, man. Great stuff. As always.
1: Thanks, Bone, and uh, hey, good luck. You're going to have a little girl. Life will change. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really. And Lars has got twin girls, so anyway. Uh, Advice is forthcoming right now. Yeah, Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Thanks, Andrew. We'll be back. I wanted to talk to you about Lars, JT, and Max Homa watching, not playing in the fourth round of the U.S. Open. Pretty interesting story coming up on Big Noon Sports.
3: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports
0: Three seven six. What? Tide one hundred point nine. Tuscaloosa weather: a partly sunny sky this afternoon, just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today ninety one, the low tonight sixty. Tomorrow partly sunny, storms stay widely scattered. The high ninety. Sunday showers and storms more numerous, with a high at eighty four. I'm James Spam on the ABC thirty three forty Weather Center on Tide one hundred point nine. It's sixty nine degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Justin Thomas uh, did not play on Saturday and Sunday, the U.S. Open at LACC. Nor did Max Homa. Neither one of them made the cut. Unfortunately, I think JT on Friday shot a big fat 81. Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm going to get into that in a second. Yes,
1: um, yes, uh, but. So he sends out a tweet yesterday, last evening around 6.30, and I'll just read it point blank. Myself and at Max Homa 23 are on our second glass of rosé and debating going Instagram Live to share our thoughts on golf. Now, as you imagine, the Twitter world just said, do it, bring it on, come on. Oh, really, really clever responses and videos. Um, from what I read here they they decided not to um, which is probably a really really good idea uh, I have several just thoughts real quick um, and they're saying it's an alcohol fueled idea but well, I, I don't know many people that are getting alcohol fueled on their second glass of rosé and that might have been a stretch um, in, in fact in its own right but I gotta believe what JT did and um, I, my other question is rosé really i <laughs> know um come on bring yeah. a cab to the party
2: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah maybe that's why justin has been playing so bad he's not uh, <laughs> drinking something a uh, little bit more southern right a uh, little little yeah like a glass little, of bourbon little, little kick yeah so justin um you know what, now he I'm sh-
1: thinking about it, excuse me for interrupting, I'll bet he was kidding on that. Now that Mate. I think about it, I'll bet he was kidding and it yeah. was something else. So <laughs> I'm going to give JT, our Alabama Louisville guy, credit for just kind of poking fun at everybody with that. So anyway, your thoughts.
2: Yeah, you- so Justin uh, shot an 81 in the second round. And uh, he missed the cut by 12 shots, 12 shots. And afterward, he said, quote, this is the lowest I've felt, unquote, uh, in golf. And, uh, you know, the, the setup early on for rounds one and two, the course is being criticized for too easy. And Justin goes out and posts his second worst score of his PGA t- uh, Tour career. And he was only one of two players um, not to break eighty over the first thirty-six holes, and uh, and he he's been struggling lately. Um, he uh, but he, he he missed the cut at Memorial. He said beforehand that uh, he's he's uh, felt that he's turned a corner, and uh, he just had he just hasn't. Um, he finished. Uh, you know he's just. Uh, he just was making double uh, bogeys, double bogeys, um, and he just couldn't get up and down. Um, you know, he, he was just, he's at his low point right now. Um, and every golfer basically goes through this. Um, And we saw just recently, uh, it was Ricky Fowler who was in this situation. I mean, Justin hasn't tumbled that far in the rankings yet, but he's going to. And um, it just shows you, like, golf, once you lose your confidence, it is just so hard to get it back because you're questioning everything about your swing um again I, I think this is a, a, a psychological sport as much as a physiological sport uh at this level because all the guys are incredibly talented. It's just who can be consistent week in, week out, and um and then, you know, try to catch fire for one weekend, which is what the, the eventual champ did. In uh, at, at Los Angeles Country Club this weekend, but for for Justin, um, he's just in a funk right now, Matt. And uh, it, it's once you're in one of those in the in golf, it's been my experience at, uh, you know in, in covering different golfers, it is it's just so tough to get yourself out of it. I mean, I go back to like David Duval, remember, number one player in the world number one player in the world and he did i know know there were injuries involved to his back but man i mean has anybody faded away quicker than david duvall um and, and i'm not saying justin's gonna do that but you do see golfers elite golfers just suddenly lose it and uh, and again, I'm in no way suggesting that Justin Thompson or Justin Thomas is in that category, but he is just in uh, uh, a funk. I, I don't know how else to describe it. He's just a, he's just not catching any breaks, you know, and it, it, everything just seems to snowball. Um and, and and hey, if he goes out and wins the British Open, nobody'll even remember that he missed the cut uh by about a gazillion strokes. And, very and, true. And very uh, true. And and he's capable of doing it. You're absolutely you know, right. so anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on Justin? He, he's, bo- well, he's both of us. He's, he's our favorite golfer, on tour. no
1: question. And I'm and, sure everybody listening to the show right now, <laughs> it's their yeah. favorite golfer, or at least one of their top, because he just handles himself so well on and off the course. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the guy, and he loves Alabama, loves Alabama. But here's here's what goes, and I, I, I kind of go back to to baseball swings and hitting slumps. There are uh, you can't really do this in baseball because you're going to bat every day, but in golf, I guess you can do two things or maybe a combination. Um, you can go and have other swing coaches look at your swing, see if they can diagnose a uh, hitch and is giddy up. And the other thing is uh, is to maybe just give it a break.
5: Yeah, put, put the down clubs the club. in the garage. Yeah.
1: and go. To Disney World.
2: Don't play for a week. Don't play for a
5: while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And maybe you just don't play for a while and send your tapes off to Butch Harmon or whoever his swing coach is and have somebody look at it again. But uh, it's tough to watch because we all like the guy so much as a golfer and as a person. So uh, I hope he's listening to the show with Max and a glass of rosé. And maybe he'll say, (laughs) hey, those two guys, that Lars and Matt. (laughs) They get, they've it. It they get it. They got it, They get it. They've got my problem. And then when he wins the British Open, he'll say, I want to say thanks
2: to Big No Sports. Because That's they right. straightened
1: off our game.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I still believe that Justin is uh, is destined to uh, – I, I actually I, – I, Matt, I know it's going to sound maybe like overstatement, but I think he's capable of being a Hall of Fame golfer. I mean, I I really do. Uh, I think he's still young, and uh, he has shown that he can play at as high a level as anyone. Um, And uh, it's just uh, golf. Golf is a funny game, man. It's it's just like it it just shows the, the best in the world, the best in the world, have the same problems that the weekend duffers have, right? <laughs> they can't, like, you know, you you and I can string together like six really good shots, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. In, inevitably, though, the last approach you hit's gonna be—you're gonna stick it, and within like two two feet of the hole, and you're like, "Oh, that's what it is." I'll be back on Monday, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is a, it is a game that requires so much uh, mental aptitude. I think more so than than you and I probably even know.
1: Uh, I agree, um, and, and I'll never know because I'll never be that skilled at that. But the two greatest golfers in the history of the game both agree. It's what's above the shoulders that you've got to be able to not just maintain. You've got to be able to focus beyond anything that you and I have probably ever done, except maybe uh, on a live report or a lengthy or a book or something. But you've got to be focused. And that's what Jack yeah. and Tiger have told us for decades. Hey, Lars, we got to get out of here. Did you say uh, our man Brando is going to be on tomorrow?
2: Yeah, Tim Brando tomorrow at 115 Central. Check it out. Have a great day, y'all.